Billy. Shut up, man. Billy. Shut up! Billy, listen to me. What? White men can't jump. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. We're coming to you from our respective homes. Week two of COVID casting. COVID casting, yeah. Mm, Definitely a step back on the uh, technical... How would I describe it? I'm I'm recording off a cardboard box with a phone plugged into another <laughs> phone with two sets of earphones on. I've got a lot of wires around me. Mm. We're doing better than last week though. Last week it took us about an hour or so to get set up. Ah, uh, and and a few mini breakdowns. Very much nearly <laughs> walked away from it. It was tough. It was it was a smoother exercise. That's true. I, I appreciate yeah. your positive outtake on this, Tristan. We all need positivity in times like this. Posit- exactly, yeah. And it's a Sunday morning here, Easter Sunday, so happy Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. And to keep our ceremonies in line, we are having an alcoholic beverage with you at 10.30 a.m. Yeah. It's a long weekend, so I feel that's more respectable. Yeah. And it's, uh, mine's a gin and tonic, which I feel like is, is basically a breakfast food. Yeah, well... It's probably more so than a beer. But breakfast beer has alliteration. Yeah, it's true. I think we're both in the clear is what is my outtake there. Agree. Agree. White men can't jump, Tristan. Good movie, white man can't, can't jump. White men. I always say white man can't jump, but it's white men can't jump. Yeah, it's a plural thing. Yeah, yeah. But you know, it's like the white man. I thought it was like, you know. You're putting a bit of a Confucius spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he did say that, yeah. He Confucius might says, white man cannot jump. He was pretty racially cool, though. You know, he didn't, he just, just kept it on the level. Yeah, absolutely. Man, I'm excited about this episode. I'm excited too. Big movie, man, big movie. I was excited for the rewatch. Yeah, same. It's been a long time. I watched it a few years ago, but even still, we'll get into it, even still there were some things I was like, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, oh, oh. Wesley Snipes is in this. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, this movie came out in 1992. It did. Is that a significant year of any kind for you? It is um, for many reasons. Um, obviously, four years after Expo, but we plugged the yeah. gap with the Barcelona Olympics. Barcelona. Now, we've covered, you must have done this. Recently. We've talked a little bit about Barcelona, yeah, because we did. We talked about the song, didn't we? We got confused. Yeah. I was just thinking the only song was Amigos Peros Siempre with uh, Pavarotti and some chick. Yeah, but instead it's a Freddie Mercury song with some chick. Yeah. But he had a whole opera. But I don't think it's not the official Olympic song, I don't no. think. Because he was dead. And he died in 91, I think. And I think Amigos Peros Siempre, which I like saying, obviously, was that was yeah. number one on Rage for, for most of that year. How does that one go? Amigos, pero siempre means you'll always be my friend. Friends for <laughs> life, not just the summer or the spring. Amigos, pero siempre. You don't remember that? I, no, not at all. All I remember is... 
Barcelona. <laughs> it's such a good song. Did you listen to it when I said it to you? No, I have. Oh, can you send it to me again? Sorry. I mean, he just kind of yells, but there's there's some mini verses between, but he just yells Barcelona a lot in different styles. It sounds like, like a the high pitch Freddie Mercury. There's like the Barcelona, like the hype, but then there's like the gritty "We will rock you" voice. Barcelona. Like it's got it all. Yeah. yeah, multiple Mercuries in one song. That's the kind of Mercury I like. Range. He had like a whole opera album, I think. Yeah, this lady, some Italian lady. Spanish lady? I don't know. Potentially Spanish, given Barcelona's Barcelona. um, location. <laughs> Talking about those Olympics, there is a, uh, a significant link um, and significant story in the, within those Olympics that speaks to our genre of film. If we if we are calling this a basketball movie, we can probably de- yeah. we can probably debate that at, at in due course. Now, you probably remember 1992 as the introduction of the Dream Team. Fuck yeah, man. I was so obsessed. Now, now, just a quick little recap. The 1992 Olympics was the first time that um, teams were allowed to enter professionals. So what had been going on? Oh, is that why? Because the Olympics is ah. amateur, right? Yeah. But what was happening apparently, a few of the other countries were huh. kind of doing a bit of a dodgy whereby they, they'd have professional teams entering the Olympics, but then they'd give them these like – dubious side jobs like oh no he's really a painter he paints at the uh, academy and these sort of things so i think i think america came third or something by a distant way in the in the previous olympics but um, basically they they petitioned and got um and got the team to be uh, a bit more equal by everyone having well it wasn't equal but they were allowed to enter professional players like the rest of the world now, I'll just throw some names out there from this team because Man. to say they were household Huge. names is probably an un- understatement. Charles Barkley, Larry Bird, Clyde Drexler, Patrick Ewing, Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, Scotty Pippen, Dave Robinson, John Stockton, amongst a couple other names probably listeners known. Chris Mullins is can still you, Can you give me a wow? Around. Wow. Wow. And this was the era, of, like I was obsessed at this point yeah. in basketball and um, like – Basketball cards. I knew every I knew every player's name just from collecting basketball cards. Yeah, I'd watch it as much as I could, but it was hard to watch in those days. That's right. It would be on like Sundays. There was like some show on Saturday or Sunday, and it was like NBA something. Damn it! What NBA was it called? Weekly wrap up. Oh, what was it called? Fuck! But it was fucking exciting. And the dream team. Oh, the time has gone off. My Easter pork is in the oven, which I need to remove. Okay. And I'm yes. going to go and rescue this pork loin. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is some fine swine. So what just happened? You're cooking you're cooking some pork. Yes, I've done a two kilo pork loin in the oven for lunch today. Mm. Looks good. Looks real good. So yes, basketball cards. You had quite the collection. Mm. Upper deck. I had a dream team card. Oh. And Skybox? it got stolen out of my bag at school. I think it might have been Upper Deck. Upper Deck. I'm sorry, man. I saw an excerpt of, there was an article written in some kind of journal. I think ESPN wrote a piece on the importance of the Dream Team um, in terms of its global impact on basketball. So Yeah, right. Just like if you look at the NBA now and last year, you had a Canadian team win led by an African general manager. Players across the across the league are from all over the world. 
personified in the MVP of the league for the year being from Greece. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, and, and certainly from an Australian perspective, there's a, there's like, there used to be like, we used to have Luke Longley who played, he was centre for, yeah. for the Bulls when the, when the guys were there. Um, Pippen and Jordan and Co. Shane Hill was there a couple. Yeah, he played a couple a of years. Bit. Um, but now there's and Andrew Gaze. I think played a couple of games or something. Yeah, he was never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to go. You got to go. Yeah, but we've obviously got like big names over there now. Um, Paddy Mills. Yeah, Paddy Mills. Um, got Ben Simmons coming up as one of the you know earmarked to be one of the future best players of the game. This. Um, oh yeah, I always forget about that guy. There's tons. So yeah. That uh, I thought it was a nice relevant fit for '92 um, for our basketball movie yeah. because there's probably not a lot of basketball to be discussed in this movie. Yes and no. Yes and no. Well, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yes but and the, no. Um, yes and no. Yes, but also no. There, there is a there's, a, there's substance to both of those. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to, Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I think we're, we're probably landing um, in the same territory. Uh, before we dive into the movie specifically, I want to just quickly. Give a little snapshot of the year that was 1992 in movies. This Please. was a big year. It was Aladdin. a big year, wasn't it? You got a Lethal Weapon in there. You got a Batman in there. You got a Sister Act in there. Uh, outside of the top ten, a lot of movies. Last of the Mohicans, Boomerang, Ooh. Honey, I Blew Up the Kid, nah. Death Becomes Her, which I'm kind of keen on. Passenger 57, big year oh, for Snipes. Always bet on black. Yeah, but um, one movie did scrape into the top 20, coming in at number 20, and that was White Man Can't Jump. It came out in March 1992, budget of $31 million with a gross of $90.8 million. So pretty massive. That's nothing to, you know, better than a poke in the eye with a blunt stick, as my mum used to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, critic score of 76%, audience score of 68%, which is a little mind-boggling. I would have thought this would have a higher audience score. I would have, yeah. My memory of this was of more of a fan film. Well, how, when did you first watch this? Uh, I would have been, it was around that time. Yeah, it's pretty early. I distinctly remember uh, my parents not liking this movie, especially my, my dad really cracked the shits when he found me watching this because of the, I think it was the volume really? of the F word. Oh, yeah, that's fair. And I think it was a bit shouty, loud movie. So I think, but yeah, it was the it was it was a, a movie ripe for its time as you as you spoke about earlier. I had the similar experience of all the basketball playing, the mummers jokes flying around the court there. I probably stuck out more than Woody Harrelson in that I was equally white but without the talent. <laughs> so yeah, look, this wasn't a this I wasn't at my greatest in this environment. I would be honest to say, but I loved it. Yeah, um, and the film was sort of captured that it was one of those films you'd want to just make you want to go and play basketball. Absolutely, yeah, and say things like "take it to the hole." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably based off um, all that Dream Team chat. I guess I I must have watched it when I was in primary school now that I think about it because that's when I had the Dream Team card and all mm, that shit, mm. yeah. But I wonder, I must have watched it, been excited by it, but like you said, I don't think my parents would have been very happy with that. So I probably watched that at Jono's house. But then uh, I would have watched that a lot then in the subsequent years because basketball was pretty pretty massive at my school, in my high school in general, but also just for me, like we would, it's all we would do really mm. until until maybe – Year eleven and year twelve, because I used to play a lot of sport when I was younger, and then it only then they all kind of fell off, and it was only basketball. Now I don't play anything, but it was pretty like an addiction almost. It was obsessed obsession. It was just obsession it's with basketball. such a great game that 
you don't it need is. to be any like I love playing basketball and I'm not good at it. Yeah, you know, you, you I feel like you can get away with not being good at it and still have a good, fun, enjoyable, competitive game. Yeah, yeah. And I was decent. I'm terrible now. I was decent, but it actually was good because when I started playing, I was really short. I was pretty short in early years of high school, but then I went through a growth spurt and became one of the tallest. Mm. So like. I developed some skill, which mixed with a little bit of height made me decent. Ah, it's a good combo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this movie was pretty, it was just there. And I think I was reading apparently like a lot of the Yo Mama jokes kind of went mainstream from this movie. Yo Mama jokes were pretty massive on the basketball courts at school. Mm-hmm. Too. Like it was just a that whole, we try to adopt that whole culture, I think, consciously or unconsciously. I don't know. 100%. Yeah. Oh, Rosie Perez. I was a big fan. Um, I think it was a timing thing. I think uh, she was highly sexual at a time where I was just figuring out what that meant. (laughs) (laughs) And there there was a lot of side boob and stuff, which, you know, was very exciting at that time. They did. They they were very tasteful side boob shots, just enough to make you lean in. (laughs) 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 What's that? uh, What did I? What? what? And then it was off. I asked. (laughs) As a you know, as a as a ten year old, is that what that Sheryl Sandberg book's about? That's the book at Sheryl Sandberg's yeah. Lean In. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's about um, <laughs> capturing attention through side boob. <laughs> that's the. It's likely the exact opposite. It's pretty much the exact opposite. <laughs> I bought it for my wife. I don't uh, think she's read it. Maybe because I told her it was about side boob. <laughs> oh man. Uh, should I get into the origin story? I think you should. I think it's time you got into the yeah. origin story on this one. Origin story. So this um, basically was reverse engineered into an opportunity to present side boob to young children, <laughs> to, to blossoming young men. Um, no, that's not true. Um, or is it? <laughs> or is it? So this was both written and directed. By a man named Ron Shelton. Yeah, who and can I can I just add? I didn't know a lot about. I I mm. didn't realize that Ron Shelton was not a pseudonym for Spike Lee. <laughs> I thought this was a Spike Lee well, movie. Yeah, I guess you could, especially as a young Greg, yeah. you could be forgiven for thinking that. I reckon because it was well, it's definitely coming hot off the heels of things like Do the Right Thing and Yeah. Oh, wait, when's Do the Right Thing? Yeah, that's yeah, before yeah, this. Yeah. Mo Better Blues, and even. Um, John Singleton movies, like, and I think I will get into this a bit later, but I think it's also interesting that this was then a movie written and directed by a white man that could have very easily come off as like a whitewashed version of that kind of yeah movement big that was time. happening, and it doesn't. And I think a big reason for why it doesn't is because this guy was a basketballer and he played like pickup games, yeah, in similar to what you're seeing. So it was it came from an authenticity there. Uh, Place. Yeah, he was basically Woody Harrelson without all the uh, gambling issues, I suppose. But um, he, this guy makes a lot of sport movies. He's the guy that did um, Bull Durham, which was, I guess, the biggest one. I think he got an Oscar for that for screenplay. I know that. But Bull Durham was the one with Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins and Kevin Costner. I never saw it, but I remember my mum watching it. Ah, oh, the baseball one. Yeah, the baseball one. Yeah, so he makes a lot of sport movies. That was a baseball one. He wrote Blue Chips. He didn't direct that one. And Cobb, which was a baseball movie with Tommy Lee Jones. I don't know. I don't know much about that. But pretty much every movie he's done has some kind of sports mm. element what a to terrific it. Terrific niche. Yeah. 
Tin Cup, I think, was golf or something. I don't know. I haven't seen any of them. Yeah. I haven't seen any other of his movies. I've seen and Tin you Cup. Would, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> is it any good? Uh, I couldn't tell you. If I had to guess what the, this guy's, before reading into it, if I had to guess this guy's filmography, I wouldn't have picked any of those movies. I would have picked, yeah, something more in line with. Well, one of these films is not like the other. Yeah, this one. Yeah. Like Kevin Costner would look really out of place in this movie. Yeah, well, man, we'll get to some precasters in a minute. But um, before we get into that, so yeah, like I was saying, this guy was a was a baller. Um, he used to play some street ball. He used to play some street ball, and he, and a lot of his experiences would have gone straight into the film. So I was reading up on him and his street balling days, and he was saying how one day he went to the court and it was the gate was all chained up, and he asked his mate, "Well, what happened?" And he said, "Oh, Jesse went to his glove compartment." which meant he went to get a gun mm. to settle a dispute, which is <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. But what he loved about it was this idea of the the basketball court being a being a democracy or something. Like if you got if you got game, you're welcome. Like it doesn't matter your background, mm. who you are, what you look like, this kind of acceptance. So it's all based on like if you can play, you can play. So fucking play. And so I think he he wanted to bring this story to the to the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. And he also loved which uh, it's probably what you're getting to at a minute, is the fact that in these games often it would be less basketball and more just arguing and yelling and talking shit to each other. Yeah, a lot of pushing. Which he just loved. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, based on all of this, he just started writing one day and he didn't even have like an outline yet. He just kind of had this idea of, okay, white guy hustles a black guy, black guy hustles a white guy, and they team up and hustle together kind of thing. Mm. And so he kind of wrote a draft. I mean, he was already a big deal because Bull Durham had already happened. He'd won oh, okay. already. So right, he's, right, right. he's kind of a big deal. So this this was uh, guy. a hot property. It's a guy. And so with this kind of movie, when you're already a hot guy like this, there's like stars attached early on. Mm. And the crazy that's thing with this one is That's how it works in Hollywood, stars, isn't it? That's how it works in Hollywood. They follow the, they follow the big fish. They do. <laughs> is that the expression? Uh, maybe. A little bit more <laughs> as they stick onto the big fish and... Eat the leftover kelp. Yeah, it's all about kelp and fish mm. and other um, and sea creatures. <laughs> yes, I don't know. Yeah, good build. Um, what if <laughs> was I like, yes ending? What if I told you that this picture had the intention of casting one Denzel Washington and Keanu Reeves? Isn't that crazy? Crazy. That's crazy. So that was the original idea. Uh, but Denzel, uh, apparently he thought the part was too small, but also he was in the midst of um, Malcolm Xing yes. and all that kind of shit. That explains Spike Lee's absence as well, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was busy making his own movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, this guy made his own movie. Crazy that. Um, yeah, so Denzel was out. out. Lawrence Fishburne was on the list. Wesley, I would say Wesley. I don't know where I get that from. Wesley. 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 <laughs> Wesley was in the mix too, but he was pretty unknown. So I think maybe he for, was about for, to be in Jungle Fever. Would you like to just maybe call him Snipesy? Because that's what I've typically called him. Snipesy. Just my, so Snipesy yeah. was in the mix, but Snipesy hadn't really popped yet. He'd been in a few things, but he'd obviously been in the Michael Jackson bad video, what? which is technically a Scorsese project. Is he in bad? Yeah, he's in the video clip. I think only in the extended cut. He's like one of the street yeah. toughs. Exactly. That's the exact song. Shamo. 
Um, yeah, so, I mean, Jungle Fever and New Jack City would come out before uh, White Man Can't Jump, but at the stage of casting, these movies weren't out. So he's still kind of oh, a nobody. right, right, right. Because they're both... Yeah. They're probably... That's his some of his finest work back then. Well, that's the thing too, right? This guy was on the rise. We'll get into yeah, that yeah. a bit later, yeah, I think. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he was kind of a left-field choice in the mix but he came in and like a fucking bolt of lightning with his charisma he does have and charisma play ball he's done he does coming out to took us yeah but he would he would he would as part of the audition they would actually have these guys play basketball which is essentially what eliminated keanu but we'll get into that in a sec but um he was okay at basketball very athletic but they said very trainable but it was more his charisma and his attitude mm. that secured him the the deal I, well, I was a street baller. Yeah. But I had been focusing a lot more on the martial arts. So I didn't have the handle that I had when I was really playing ball mm-hmm. in the Bronx on a day-to-day basis. And by the time we got to audition for the, uh, the, the, the film, an audition in which they called in every actor in <laughs> Hollywood. Wow. From the Brat Pack to the Rat Pack to, to the Lat Pack. Really? Lat Pack, baby! <laughs> they did a three-on-three and they did a four-on-four. Wow. Right? And on occasions, they might do a full court. I went in and I auditioned. I didn't hit a shot. Everything I threw up was a straight break. <laughs> but I talked shit the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> so they were actually, the producers were actually laughing about this. Like, man, you didn't hit a shot, but you talked a whole lot of shit. Yeah. You're hired. <laughs> I can relate. That's pretty cool. I can relate. That is my game 100%. I just stand there talking absolute <laughs> smack and throwing up bricks. Side note, I love. I got very excited when he said Brat Pack and Rat Pack because they ended up with the Lat Pack, baby. Yeah. He's basically he's in pack, a, He's he? a Lat Packer. Packist? <laughs> Lat Packist, yeah. So he's in. He's in. At this stage, Keanu was still in the mix. The studio mm. really wanted him because he's Keanu. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. But he really sucked at basketball. And there yeah, was apparently no, it was awful. They couldn't. They were like, we can't hide this. Like the waste. Yeah, the waste. We're only so good. There's only so much Vaseline we can put on our lens. (laughs) And he doesn't look like anyone else, so they probably could even get a stuntman to do it. Um, John Cusack was in the mix. but um, He's quite tall. He's quite tall, but the problem is he's John Cusack. So I think that just is never going to work. I don't think he could play ball, and also he's too soppy looking. He's, um, he's, He's a good fighter. Did you know that? He's a black belt in BJJ. Really? When I say he's a good fighter, he's a a well-trained martial artist. He's a a lifelong martial mm. artist. Tristan, did you know? I could I could see that. I could see that. Uh, but enter Woody Harrelson. Um, obviously from Cheers fame. Poor guy. This goes. <laughs> so Woody Harrelson, most of his acting career up until this point was playing a guy named Woody on Cheers, which is obviously still great. Cheers is like the biggest show at the Ever. time, right? But he couldn't get a movie, like six years or something. He was trying to transfer over to movies. I think he had some movie parts, but he couldn't land a big role. Um, but he couldn't really? play ball. He could play ball. And he tested with Wes um, or Snipes. And um, they had good chemistry because they were buddies from back in the Wildcats days, which I haven't mm-hmm. seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Wildcats apparently became buddies. With the, the Goldie um, Horn. Yeah, ah. and so they had good chemistry because in these auditions and when they were testing the chemistry, they would let these guys banter with each other and kind of ad-lib trash talk and stuff. And there was something, I think, in the dynamic of uh, often you'd put people together like Wesley and someone else and they would like try and outdo each other, whereas Woody's responses were more like 
uh, complimentary. Like, I don't know. Mm. His is more like chill, like not anger. It's like this interesting. He's a special yeah. man. He's so fascinating, man. So yeah, fascinating. fascinating. Uh, and uh, some more precast is the role of Gloria, who, which obviously went to Rosie Perez, living icon, uh, was supposed to be a white, wealthy girl. Running mm. with running with a bad boy. So Holly Hunter and Rachel Griffiths were in the mix. They they were the leading candidates for the role. Amazing. Isn't that crazy? Very different movie. What Rachel Griffiths? Australian Rachel Griffiths. Yeah. Ah. Was this after love, Muriel's wedding? Maybe. Love her. Um, I don't know. I would have thought Muriel's wedding was after this, actually. But I wonder how she got in the mix. Probably through SAG. Yeah. But yeah, so the, it, Rosie shows up for auditioning, and the other actresses there are like, "Oh yes, yeah, so you're auditioning for Snipes' wife, yeah." She's like, "No, <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't a good impression." But I'm sure she yelled at everyone. <laughs> Can only assume. Yeah, but yeah, she she blew them away with her Rosie Perezness, and they were like, "Oh, okay, let's rewrite this role." I, yeah. I'll bite your tongue. I see the look on your face there, Greg. We'll talk about Rosie later. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we will, we will. Um, I could see, I could see how that she would have um, blown them away. <laughs> um, all right, to round out the casting, also uh, Snipes' wife Rhonda yep. obviously went to uh, TF. Um, Do- I just know as Doughboy's mum. Oh yeah, I couldn't remember what she was from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is a big. So this is a, a relative big deal. I was going to get into this later, but. There is like an interesting decision made here because Halle Berry was in the running, mm. and the the, act, the actress mm. that, that got the role, Tia Ferrell, mm. she did say that she did have a word to them that like it would be it would mean a lot to people that look like me to cast me as a dark skinned woman because I think it's still true today, but in those days it was while there were more African American on screen, they were often like light skinned. Yeah. Um, so it was always like the romantic interest was always light skinned, like almost white kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. this was kind of, I mean, I don't know. It's, I'm kind of out of my wheelhouse here, but kind of a big deal apparently that she was cast, I, which I is kind of cool. Be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Right. And I think overall here, it's pretty interesting because you read about these precasties and this movie started with Denzel Washington, fucking Keanu Reeves, Holly Hunter, maybe even Halle Berry in the mix. And what they went with was like a few unknowns and uh, someone who's not even the main star of a sitcom. Mm. It's kind of cool that in those days that would happen because I feel like these days they would still just try and get a name. There's not really Absolutely. a name. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I had no idea that there was that caliber of names attached to it to begin with. It felt like more it was like, a, oh, this this script, you know, trying to get people to uh, see who I can get and, you know. Yeah. The, it was driven exactly. by that, not the inverse. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of surprising. And then, I mean, to the end of the origin story here, really, they did take the basketball shit seriously. So they had these guys trained. They had um, ex-Detroit Pistons Hall of Famer Bob Lanier coach them. They did weeks of training. They played lots and lots of games. It's like all the guys that are playing ball in the movie were playing together for weeks ahead of that, practicing the talking shit and all that kind of stuff too. Um and kind of getting that chemistry going, but also getting mm-hmm. their skills up. And, yeah, they, there is a lot out there about – it's funny, man, because that clip I played before, Wesley Snipes is like kind of implying – I didn't think I was that shit, but a lot of the – somehow they're saying kind of how shit he was. Like very athletic yeah. and trainable, but 
pretty shit. And yeah, that Woody and I was, was like, actually oh, I, just had, I just hadn't been playing ball. I'd be uh, I was a street <laughs> baller. I'd just been doing martial arts. I'll kick your ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's um, that's seems to be him. His personality is known for coming through in those comments, right? Because that was was in Demolition Man, right? There was something about him wanting to do all his own. I can't remember. I feel like there was something similar in that. He's and not they would short reshoot on it confidence. With yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd want to do all the stuff, but then they would reshoot it with stuntmen or whatever. Yeah. Oh, that was he was too fast. He was too fast with the cameras. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you can just yeah. slow it down. <laughs> just don't punch as fast. Uh, too fast with the cameras. Well, and then you know what happened? They went and made the movie, and then it got, and then it happened, and then and then we saw it, and then, and then we, uh, did we get a trailer? And then we got a trailer. I'll play that for you right now. I have been saving this. I haven't listened. Ooh, it's not bad. Oh, it is hard work being this good. Oh, oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. Oh, baby, give it up. Turn it loose. It's not about black. I don't mean to brag, but I'm the greatest. That's because you never saw me. It's not about white. Honey, I'm home. How much money did you make today? I missed you too. I'm sorry, honey. It's about green. I want to find out how good you are, chump. I have a business proposal for you, as if you don't mind hustling. What kind of hustle? <laughs> $500, baby, and you can pick my teammate. Give him the chump. You mean play basketball? Hey, pretty man, I got something for you. Shut your anorexic malnutrition tapeworm having overdose Dick Gregory Bahamian diet drinking ass up. Give me my money. I see you hustle. Hey, I never use those goofy white mother. Hey, who oh, you calling goofy white mother? You, you. Yeah, yeah. Five hundred divided by two. How much do you love me? I love you, Infinity. Oh, Billy, you're so stupid. You should have said I love you, Infinity plus Infinity. We shoot you, Billy, but first we want the money. There are rules to hustling. There's an ethics involved. Yeah, that you wouldn't know a damn thing about. <laughs> Will you explain to this Gladys Knight the pips? It's pips! The pips! Winning and losing is all one big organic lobule. I hate it when you talk like that. Oh! You got that big Z in your fro, man. What are you, the black Zorro? What are you doing? I'm doing two things. What? I'm making them mad. Most guys don't play good when they're mad. Look, you know you're embarrassing me. That's what you're doing. Yeah, well, that's the other thing I'm doing. I only have four words for you. White men can jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah! It's always nice when they say the name of the movie in a trailer. Yeah, it just ties it together. You know you're watching the right trailer. You haven't accidentally clicked <laughs> on a link and been exactly. taken elsewhere. Exactly. It's a pretty good trailer, I would say. Yeah, it's nice. It didn't give a lot away about the plot, though. Do you want no. to give the audience a bit of a breakdown? Yeah. Yeah, look, I think um, this is really a colourful, and I mean colourful figuratively and literally, of course, Mm. Um, a colourful exploration of the human condition. Addiction, poverty, betrayal is all poetically intertwined with ambition, aspiration, trust, and that great Aussie value, mateship. Mateship. The journey is channelled through the vehicle of a two-on-two pickup streetball game. Our characters here do not personify just one of the above traits, rather a complex cocktail of both the light and dark, as we follow this small moment in time in Los Angeles in the early 90s. 
Sharing little more than a talent and a love of two-on-two basketball, Sydney and Billy form an unlikely partnership, trying to get ahead any means how and make a better life for themselves. But at the heart, this is a love story. And Billy's about to find out that chasing his greatest love might mean losing his true love. Oh, now is his greatest love basketball or gambling? Gambling. Yeah, yeah. That was a lot darker. That, that element of it, I, I always seem, I've watched this movie a lot. I always seem to forget about that layer to it. Yeah, the it's depressing a, gambling yeah. part. It kind of makes the movie. Yeah, I even and like I said, I've rewatched this a lot, even in relatively recent years. But the um, even this rewatch, I was like, oh, did he just bet all the winnings on the dunk thing? What a fucking guy! I forgot. A fucking idiot! And I'm like, what are you doing? It's like that new Adam Sandler movie. I forget what it's called now. Fuck. What's that Adam Uncut Sandler Gems. movie on Netflix? Yeah, Uncut Gems. I think that's. A, I haven't finished watching it yet, but that's a similar vibe of like, no, quit by your head. What the fuck are you doing? The gambling thing really drives me. I can't. Oh, makes me feel so stressed and icky. Yeah. <laughs> and then that when he goes back then to to tell her what he'd done, that was fucking. Te- I felt tense, man. Yeah, it felt was, tense. It was tense. Yeah. But anyway, more broadly speaking, in this rewatch. I, similar to what I was saying, actually, I, I think I forgot about the last third of the movie. Yeah. It was a bit like when I was doing um, Universal Soldier the other week and like halfway through the movie and I was like, oh, this is all I remember of the movie. Um, <laughs> like, I, Do you I fall asleep that, a lot when you watch movies? <laughs> I think it might be a thing of back of the day you would start movies a lot and you maybe you just don't finish them. I don't know. Like I'd probably watch it all the way through, but then in terms of re-watching it, you know, or well, it'd be on TV, maybe you fall asleep. I don't you'd know. watch it late. Like sometimes, if you went to a mate's house, you'd watch like three movies. So yeah. if this was the third movie, you're starting at like one a.m. You're probably yeah, fall yeah, asleep. yeah. But um, the last third, all that Jeopardy stuff. Like I thought, I thought the tournament was the climax, and I was like, "Fuck, this is quick." And then the tournament was over. I was like, "Oh, that's it." Well, what's the rest of the movie? And then obviously the rest yeah. of the movie happens. So I forgot about him losing all the money on the dunk, and then I forgot that she leaves him. Forgot about Jeopardy, which I thought was great. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that might be polarizing, but what I thought that was, was a welcome. <laughs> I feel like it was a welcome addition, man. I love that. Oh, it's it's a beautiful addition. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, did you did you know that um, foods but with the letter Q actually appeared on Jeopardy like five years later? Really? Yeah. Oh, apparently, it comes so back every once in a while. Oh, that's cute. I yeah. love that you got actual Alex Trebek and everything. That's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I also think, so I don't know a lot about this, but uh, you know how like typically movies have a three-act structure? I mm. think, I think I could be wrong. Correct me, listeners, if I'm wrong about this, but I think this might be a five-act movie. So like, you know how it feels like it ends like three times, but it doesn't end? Yeah. Because it kind of feels like it's ending. Like I was saying with the tournament, you think, oh, is this mm-hmm. the end? But then the, then the next thing happens, is this the end? Then you look and it's like, oh, there's still an hour of this movie left. Because it's quite long. Yeah. It's a solid two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because traditional traditional three act structure is setup, confrontation, and resolution. That's Resolve, like three yeah. act. But five act structure is exposition, act one, act two, conflict appears, act three, things get real bad, act four, everything's downhill, act five, tying up loose ends. You can kind of see that loosely mapping to to this movie. So I wonder if it is. Listeners, what do you think? Do you agree or do you disagree? Because I don't really know much about that. Um, well, you knew enough to raise it. Well, I've always – Good I, for I think you. I, I think I heard them talk about it on um, fucking Griffin and David 
And I was like, ah. what do you mean? Because I think James Cameron often does five acts. So it's mm. an area I've wanted to learn more about. But um, I love how it gets straight into the action. And my only criticism really, my only genuine criticism of the movie is I think the, the hired goons hired goon. part is just a bit, <laughs> a bit goofy. Yeah, they're not needed. Or dial them up. Why are they wearing trench coats? That like we get that yeah. they're the bad guy. They don't need a, a windowless van and trench coats. In, and they make it all jokey the at beach. the end. Yeah, yeah. They're carrying around pictures of all their victims, but who does that? But then they kind of explain it by it probably being fake because they show Woody doing a fake dead picture, whatever. It's too much detail. But you get what I'm saying. It's a bit It's very elaborate and unnecessary. Yeah. I like that he should be on the run in some way, like his fucked up mm-hmm. previous he owes money all over town or whatever, but that just makes it feel like, I don't know. And as if they wouldn't, like he's going to get out of there with a broken finger at least. Like if, if they've got to track him down that much to get and they don't get the money, yeah. they're going to cause some problems. Because they're chasing him down and then they finally get him. And, and like, all they okay, really do is week. like, hey, get the money, all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not very good at their job. No. Uh, but overall, I think I was overall very pleasantly surprised with this rewatch. I was good. expecting some outdatedness, but I mean that was a little bit, but. Not much. How did, how did mm. you find it? Um, <clears throat> I found that it was a game of two halves to use mm. the uh, sporting parlance. Yeah. Um, yeah, like honestly the first hour I was like, Phew. I think I'd had a big work week and I was not up for an intense movie. And um, yeah, the first hour I was like, they're yelling a lot. Do they need to swear so much? <laughs> Rosie, Rosie Perez's voice is pretty hectic. Yeah. So I was having an oral assault. Um, <laughs> but uh, I paused halfway and went to bed because it was a bit longer than I realised and I needed to do it in two sittings. Um, and I just remember I paused it and there was just this comforting silence that fell across the room. You're right. But, but second half, which I guess technically was Act 2.5 onwards. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Was a treat, I think. Um, I realized there was a lot more to this movie than just some basketball. It was, yeah, there was a really complex, you know, I was kind of obviously being a bit silly in my synopsis, but I think there was like, there was these characters were rich, there was lots of dynamics at play, yeah. Um, and there was a lot more to the movie than I remembered as a kid, yeah, 100%. Like, it's there's a few things in there that I quite liked was that it's like it is a movie about race, but it's not really about race. Like, I don't know, it covers race, but it's not like about race. And it's like yeah. a lot of a lot of modern movies try and be about race and they're so like, you know, like crash or whatever. Mm. It doesn't it doesn't I was expecting some outdatedness in in its in its racial yeah politics or whatever. See white guys Especially, drive like this and black yeah, guys and, drive like this. Yeah. And there wasn't much of that. There was, right? I don't think so. Well, not that I noticed, yeah. And I think a lot of that is due to this guy being pretty authentic and genuine in his his love of the game and his experience in pickup games and like that idea of if you can play ball, you get. Res- I mean, there's going to be banter, there's going to be shit talk and all that kind of shit. And if mm-hmm. you're white, then that's like something that'll come up. But it's not. It wasn't a major issue. Yeah, so I, I kind of liked that it was. It wasn't so ham-fisted or anything with a message. Like it was just. Mm. It is what it is. He doesn't come in as like white savior. It doesn't like culturally appropriate anything really, I don't think. Like it's just nice. And it could have easily done all those things in the wrong hands. Like imagine if, 
I don't know, fucking Ron Howard or, or someone. They're not bad people, but imagine just someone that just doesn't know anything about this stuff made this mm. movie and it would just be, mm. uh, you know. Tr- Tristan, you mentioned there, um, you know, the setting. Um, mm. Would you go as far to say that uh, the city of Los Angeles was perhaps uh, a main character? A main character of this film. That's a very good point, Craig. That's it. That's You could say that the third lead in this movie was mm. Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. The greater Agreed. Los Angeles County. Now, the, this, this film does get a lot of respect for this particular depiction of LA, which you don't see a lot, or at least in those days. Mm-hmm. Like people living in motels and this kind of grittier, not grittier, that sounds cliche, but, you know, another view of LA yeah. in a time when maybe everything was a bit sugar-coated and whatnot. Oh, yeah. It's interesting too, the LA riots – Happened a month after this movie came out. Mm. Not, I'm not saying there's no cause and effect there, <laughs> but it's just. Um, no, I think there's I, I was trying to think. Cause there. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get a sense of what was the cultural context when this movie came out, and I was kind of shocked by that. I would have thought that was earlier, or because this movie yeah, does right. depict things. I mean, there's definitely some tension there. There's like that scene in the tournament when the white commentators leave because they think it's going to get violent. You oh, noticed yeah. that? I never noticed yeah. that before. Like, let's get out of here. But <laughs> you can't have a, a scene can't feel too hardcore when you got Brian um Brian Brown. James Brown. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. James Bond track playing. It's kind of gonna keep it relatively light mood. A light yeah, funky mood. Man, the music was good in this. So good. There's a little bit of criticism out there which I kind of understand in the omission of hip hop. Mm. Because this was 92, there was enough to go around. And specifically, some people take, yeah, some people have a gripe with the idea that, you know, they're trying to, with with the argument around the Jimi Hendrix thing, they're trying to illustrate a point of like this white black tension of ownership of this music or whatever. You know, it may have been a stronger point to use some current hip hop in that rather than Jimi Hendrix. Mm. They could have done like, and James Brown. NWA. Public Enemy was around then, Beastie Boys, Della Soul. Well, NWA Even makes Tupac perfect was sense already out. given yeah, in LA. Given our LA setting. Yeah. So that may, that maybe would have made it tighter. But let's be honest, the music is fucking tight. Oh, that's, like, that's sticking with me. That's a really good point. It's interesting. Mm. Like the article I was reading was suggesting was that a, a deliberate choice to not alienate white audiences or something. So – I don't know. But I don't, I don't think, think that would because so. if you're a white audience watching this movie, you probably that would make it add to the experience. You're probably into this kind of thing. Yeah, and I think based on this writer director guy and his authentic experience with this shit, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just a massive fan of Jimi Hendrix. So mm. he just went with that. Like that's, that seems to ring true. But the music in this movie is tight. Mm-hmm. I love this song. Can't believe it's not Bobby Brown though. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, if I, if you'd asked me a week ago, I would have bet money. I would have bet money. I would have bet my five hundred dollars. Really? This, that this was Bobby Brown. Well, I knew it wasn't. You know how I knew it wasn't? I had the cassette single. Did you? Yeah, this was a <laughs> big deal. I think it was the only cassette I had. Really? It's a fucking like, good one. It was to probably have. the. It was probably the first like grown up music. I can picture probably. 
as well. It was just the cover of the movie on the on the thing. I think it. I think it had it. like a basketball on it or something. Like there was orange. I yeah, it was, it was just the cover of the movie. I just listened to it on repeat. This stuff was like contraband, you know. Like it was so hard <laughs> to get your hands on, and oh, someone man. someone would have to be like, oh. Such yeah. and such has got it, and you'd like go around to their house and like see it. And, but then other music in it, they had um, a whole soundtrack is pretty sick. I mean, like we said, it's missing some hip hop, but apparently there was a second soundtrack release, but it's not music from the movie. It was just I don't know a collection of songs yeah. called "White Man Can't Rap." That's right. That had rap songs on it. I mean, Queen Latifah was on the original soundtrack. Um, I did also love the Venice Beach Boys. Yeah, the old fellas. That was good. Yo, fellas, this is great. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus, if you please. Hey, listen to some of these names off the White Men Can't Rap. Um, Cypress Hill. Oh, yeah. Booyah yeah. Tribe. Oh, I don't know that. The Booyah Tribe. I remember Booyah Tribe. Main Source, <laughs> I don't remember so well. College Boys, and then they got a Gangstar track at the end, which is nice. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. There's only a few tracks, right? It's only like seven or something. Yeah, yeah. six. Uh, similar to what we're saying with the – it's like about race but not really about race. I think the same goes for basketball, right? Mm. It's like – I mean, again, your, your plot synopsis was a little tongue-in-cheek, dare I say, but there was some truth to it because it was it's about – it's, it's what I strive for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the basketball they are playing is – Pretty good. That hasn't dated that much. There was some pretty bogus, weird-looking around the back. Like, oh yeah, there's some bullshit in it. There's some stuff that's definitely wasn't slick. Like just you're not like gonna do bouncing between. You the can't legs. really just do a 360 layup in the middle of a game. Like that's not. It's probably the easiest thing you could ever block is like movies like that. So there's some stuff there that's probably theatrics. But I was starting to think of it in comparison to like martial arts movies, which probably plays by similar rules. Like. There's what you would actually do versus what looks good on camera. That's probably I just didn't that. think it looked that good on camera a lot of it, though. Really? Yeah. I, you, get, you get the sense that they can play, though, right? Like it felt gen. You felt like Woody's playing basketball. Like you felt – didn't you? I uh, did. There were times where – like when they're like marking up and stuff, it all seems fine. But then just some of the passes looked a bit lame. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know enough about basketball. Maybe I was just being a bit critical. I mean, I think there's definitely some, kind of like I was saying, like there's some unrealistic <laughs> like plays in there for sure. But I think all in all, in terms of like credibility of these guys playing basketball, it felt good. I was worried that there was going to be like, like, you can tell Woody plays basketball. Mm. I'm glad they didn't do Keanu Reeves. Mm. But oh yeah, and on the martial arts thing, I realized that it is almost, it follows a similar structure to the early Van Damme movies. But oh, instead yeah. of going fight to fight, it's basketball. Well, maybe not the foreign land stuff, but the idea of it's almost it's a very similar structure to like Lionheart. Wrong bet, you know. The Ooh. it's instead of going fight to fight, it's it's basketball, but it's around LA as well. It's a very similar kind of vibe there. Imagine him in this movie, Jesus Christ, <laughs> Attila. Yeah, Attila the Killer It'd be the final boss battle. <laughs> I wouldn't want to play basketball against Attila either. He was huge. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Oh man! But to, to your point, Greg, they said the um, because these guys weren't—they were pretty good at basketball. They got pretty good. They had to shoot so many takes because they would just keep shooting bricks a lot of the time. <laughs> and so you're trying to get them to act, but you're also trying to get them to play basketball. And it, 
if the ball doesn't go in, you just have to take you have to just take another ah. <laughs> another take. <laughs> like, how painful. Hey, um, there were some good lines in there, I thought, that you would have appreciated. There was one early, ain't no thing but a chicken wing on a string from Burger King. <laughs> See, I think there's, there's so many lines in this that's like, oh, that's where I got this from. Yeah. I didn't realise. Specifically the Yo Mama jokes, these were the ones we would say and I think I forgot they were even from this movie because I remember saying these before I even knew what they meant. Like I saw your mum <laughs> kicking a can down the street, I asked her what she was doing, she said moving. I was like, I used to say that. And I didn't really understand it. Yeah. <laughs> Did they say the one about gravy pouring out too? I think that was one of them. Yeah, yeah. The, um, your mum is an astronaut. I don't really get the insult there. I think that would be, I'd be quite proud if my mother was an astronaut. Mm, that's life goals for Yeah, mom. right? Should we talk about Rosie Perez? Yeah. Isn't she wonderful? Look, I, I walk a fine line with Rosie Perez. Yeah. I think she's pretty amazing in this movie but yeah. she annoys the shit out of me in this movie at the same time. Yeah, she she definitely – it is a fine line. I think all in all, I think she's amazing. I yeah. love her. and I. Yeah. But she is annoying, but also the character is kind of annoying. Yeah, the character is annoying. She's going for something. The character is an annoyed person because yeah. she's got she's a annoyed. fuck with – She's got a fuck yeah. with deadbeat boyfriend who keeps screwing up, so – yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and she's, I think, um, she's got the right to be frustrated. I think, again, so much of it is the casting and I like how old Ron, director, fella, writer, he seemed to have rewritten some, well, not rewritten, but adjusted these roles a little bit based on who was cast because her role in this, imagine if it was just a rich white chick. Like that just feels Boring. not interesting. Yeah. Billy, you so can't I like, keep doing this, Billy. Yeah, it's just weird. And then Woody is so angry. Latino is perfect. <laughs> and then the Je- but her, the whole subplot with the Jeopardy thing is so weird. I completely Latina. forgot about that. I and then I, I think I'm even in the rewatch, I missed bits of it. But the um, when she revealed that what she was doing was studying for Jeopardy, I was like, oh yeah, fuck, that's weird. <laughs> it's so weird. It's my <laughs> destiny, great. Billy. Yeah, it's so weird. I've been studying. <laughs> Yeah, pulls with the letter Q. <laughs> it's so she, weird. The fact she pulls out are hilarious. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. And um, she's also an annoying girlfriend in that it could happen to you, isn't she? Where Nicolas Cage gives the yeah. waitress the money. Yeah. So, so before this, she was she was into the right thing in a relatively mellow role, I suppose. But then, yeah, it could happen to you. That's the one I was thinking of as yeah. well. And she was the asshole ex. Yeah. <laughs> I barely remember that movie, but um, I guess we should cover it at some point because they win the million, they win the lottery. They win the lottery and then she like starts hanging out with other battlers that have won the lottery who think they're awesome. She gets and, a boob job or something. Yeah, she becomes horrible. That's one of those movies that history has forgotten completely. Was it Bridget Fonda too? It was. Th- it was a Fonda, yeah. It's Nicolas Cage, wife, Rosie Perez, he doesn't have money to leave a tip for a waitress. And so he says, hey, I got a lottery ticket. If I win the lottery, it's a million dollar tip. And he, he wins. And so he gives her the million dollars tip and whatever. And then the movie ensues. I mean, has yeah. sex with her. <laughs> I guess so. But then, she, yeah, she's in a few things. She's on The View now. Yeah. Um, I'd be do intrigued. You remember? Have you got any excerpts of the, the View up your sleeve? No, but I was watching some interviews with her. Modern day, 
And her voice has really mellowed out quite a bit. <laughs> she's quite an activist, I understand. I think so. She's kind of a badass, I think, yeah, right? Yeah, I believe like, so. She, I think she was in the vagina monologues. Do you remember this thing? This was a big deal in the 90s at some point. Uh, there was this play. I was scared off by the word vagina. Not a play. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, right? So Rosie Perez was kind of a big deal in that part of my life where I was learning things and various side boobs and such. such. And I think like one of the next things I saw her do was – I don't know if she's in the vagina monologues or it was a tribute to the vagina monologues and she read something out and I was like, yeah, kind of scared off. <laughs> it's like, my vagina is a beautiful, it's a blossoming flower. <laughs> it's just like, <sighs> but as a, I, I get the vagina monologues. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was a kid and I was like, what the fuck is this? Mm. I, I probably tried to get my hands on it. You were there like, taking, yeah, you're taking notes. Be. You're like, oh, here's where I learned. You're like flower <laughs> yeah. question mark. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But also, Jeopardy, can we just talk about Jeopardy for a second? Because I think mm. the the whole concept of Jeopardy is kind of bullshit. The the game show where you ask the questions, that's bullshit. You're not really asking because the questions. You're, you're not really asking the questions. The question. Yeah, and it's such a stretch sometimes the way they frame it. Well, that's now, the I marketing of it, Tristan. That's the marketing. If you take that away, there's nothing left. It's just a bunch of questions. Yeah. What's wrong? People like questions. It's trivia, baby. Yeah, then trivia. just call it trivia. Just call it trivia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's such a cultural institution in the US. Have they? Do we ever have it in Australia? Like an Australian version? Yeah, of I feel like we did. I feel it like must we have did. right. Yeah, it's probably a, Larry it's a, in the US. It's yeah, it. would have been. Oh no, the other guy, Tony Barber, maybe Tony, Tony Barber. Tony Barber, Uncle Tony. Love Tony Barber. I've got a question for you. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, favorite basketball movies. Did you have a ah. chance to look at that? I think it's this one. Yeah, and others? I, I others? remember I, I watched Blue Chips at the cinema. I didn't know it was the same writer. Hmm. And um, I remember wanting to like it. Yeah, but, but it was I, quite and, serious and, and, and like adult. it was not. It's not what I expected. Yeah. yeah, it was like a. It was like a drama about a coach who is like it's. I don't mind rewatching it to get a sense of it, but me too. I had because I had the exact same experience. Yeah, go on. Because Shaq was in it. Some was Penny Hardaway in it. There was, a, I think, there were a couple others in there, but uh, mainly because Shaq was in it, I was pretty obsessed. Yeah. What other basketball movies? Um, Space Jam. Hmm. <clears throat> um, the Air Up There. I don't think I ever saw The Air Up There. With Kevin Bacon in Africa. <laughs> Air Bud. Oh, Eddie. The um, Whoopi Goldberg one where she becomes the coach, I think, of the Knicks or something. Yeah, right. You're There's a lot. The, this is definitely all the ones I don't like. Oh, well, I don't – yeah, I think this is the one because I don't like most of those. What else what – I'll you read got? you some and then you might go, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Blue Chips, you said, what, they can't jump. He got game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I watched that years later though. Yeah, that's a good That's a good movie. Above the Rim. I never saw that. That's with Tupac, right? yeah. Yeah, that, I really want to watch that. Uh, basketball Diaries is probably a basketball adjacent film, but that's a good oh, movie. Oh, yeah, I watched that. Yeah, that's a good what, movie. What about a little film called Teen Wolf? Oh, yeah, of course. Shit, With MJ you've really Fox. expanded my you've expanded my basketballer who did I flips. Lo- I, I can't wait to that movie because I, what I love about that movie is there's absolutely no tension in him revealing his werewolfness. They oh, love yeah, it because he's a mad basketball player. Like yeah. it. It's bizarre. 
<laughs> family of werewolves. Yeah, like, oh, cool. So you can play ball, right? Again, it's living into the philosophy of this movie. Doesn't matter where you come from. If you got game, you got game. You got game. You're exactly. a werewolf. And maybe that's what the sequel should have been. There was talk of a sequel that never happened there or was reboots a and whatnot. There's a sequel for My Wayne Can't Spiritual. Jump. Spiritual sequel. No, an actual sequel. Is there? It's set on a train. Yeah, okay. And they've they become <laughs> police officers. Money train. And it's called the money train. And Woody's grown a mullet. He's grown a mullet. He's still a battler, still fucking up the whole time. Yeah. They've moved to New York. Yeah. And uh, Sydney has left his family and started a second life and hooks up with J-Lo. <laughs> Jennifer, Jennifer Lopez, yep. Fair Officer enough. Santiago. This is early J-Lo too, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm... I rewatched the trailer for that just before because I, I, I wanted to make sure. Well, basically, I've, I've tried to come up with a few ideas for the next movie because I think they do. I mean, they've, they've made four movies together technically, but I think only two where they are the co-leads. So, so they did Wildcats, but they yeah. were just in various roles. Yeah, And obviously White Man Can't Jump, Money Train, Play It to the Bone which was a boxing movie with Antonio Banderas yeah. made by this same guy, also made by Ron. But I think – I haven't seen it, but apparently they're I've both in that. it. So Wesley's just in it, I guess, but they're not the two lead characters. Mm. So I have a few ideas for this. Um, I started from genre down. Like, what genre should it be? Mm-hmm. And the, the first one I was like, road movie. Yeah, <laughs> road, road movie? Yeah, like you know, driving – Road oh, movies yeah. like when they're driving somewhere. There's like Thelma and Louise. Yeah. Like Thelma and Louise. Okay. Fuck. Yeah, just Thelma and Louise. <laughs> Billy and Sydney. <laughs> Billy and Sydney. Get away from it all. <laughs> they leave their women. <laughs> then I thought, you know, if this was made today, they, they would probably be more on the nose with the racial. The racial subtext would probably become the text. Mm. So maybe Woody is in the KKK and Snipes, they somehow become friends or, you know, oh. some, some, one of those. Really, really leaning in on that one. One of those movies where like it, it makes you feel good for not being as racist as the race. You know, like that's the formula for a lot of these racial movies. Mm. Oh, yeah, they're monsters. I'm not like that. You know, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so let's say if you really wanted to lean into it. But the one I landed on, which I think could be quite cool, and I had to rewatch the Money Train trailer just in case because I wasn't sure if I just – Readapted my money. <laughs> I think, and it, it's kind of a natural progression. So you got street ball, you got cops slash robbers, and then you got what I would like to see is a prison escape movie. Oh, yeah, and maybe there's still tension there, right? So maybe there were enemies on the outside. Oh yeah, but now like one of them ripped him off in a basketball game, and they both got jailed. For yeah, things? well, I think you'd. I think you treated it exactly like uh, Money Train, where it's like technically not a sequel, but it may as well be. Mm. So it's like they're still playing those same types, like Cheech like, and John in Money movies. Train. In Money Train, he still has a gambling problem. Yeah, it, like so. Yes, bring that into here too. Like that'll be sick. And so there may be enemies on the outside, but then once they're on the inside, they're gonna have to work together if they're gonna get there. Mm. And they're gonna find out. They're about to find out. Yeah, mm. exactly. And I think it. I want it to be the same tone too. So kind of fun, but also there's some seriousness to it. But it's you know good, good talking shit. And what's have you got? A, have you come up with a title? Oh, I haven't. Oh, that's a good point. What do you call it? I keep coming up with escape plan because that's uh, kind of what I ripped off with the this. Great Escape, G R A T E, because they escape out of a great. 
Um, jail, jail bait, jail birds, <laughs> jail bait. I don't think we should. That's that's an art. That's movies not. It's an X. I'm just making word associations now. Jail birds, jail bros. Yep. Nah. Hey, listeners, if you have an idea for what this prison escape movie should be called, let us know. Mm. Double impact at gmail. Double impact podcast at gmail and and I thought in the same way that this movie, it, the same way that white men can't jump, white men can't jump. See, I did it again. In the same way that white men can't jump, um, you know, doesn't explicitly explore race, but it's definitely part of the formula. I think this could do the same thing with the prison or justice system. Mm. Kind of have some flavor of of the racial dynamics there um, in a realistic way, relative to how it did um, back in the day. But one more movie idea, um, which is almost realistic. So if you recall, I mean, how could you forget, Wesley Snipes also popularised the character, the first one of the first Marvel movies in Blade. Yes. Yeah, that's technically, that's a Marvel character. Mm. And they're, they're going to make a new one with Marshala Ali. Did I say his name right? I'm unclear, but I know yeah. who you mean. Yeah, yeah, but um, let's pretend that's not happening because Woody Harrelson is going to be in the Venom sequel playing Carnage. Carnage is just like an even more fucked up version of Venom, basically. What if Marvel made a movie, Blade vs. Venom? Ooh, Venom Blade. Snipes, Snipesy versus uh, Harrelson-y. Yeah. I could have said Woody. That would be much easier. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes, it would have. Th- those, are my, those are my three pitches, by the way. Well, there's probably two in there. Um, I think the Prison Break one makes sense. What if they're... Breaking out from prison as those characters, as as a vampire hunter and a alien, yeah, symbi- yeah. symbiote thing. Uh huh. It'd help. It'd make it easier to get out. It makes the idea of getting out of prison more plausible. That's true, especially if there's vampires in the prison. Mm. And yeah, no, that works. That works. Unless like there's it. like crosses at the exit because they can't go near and garlic. They couldn't be. Tell you what, they couldn't be at the Goodfellas prison. <laughs> with, all, with all that garlic being chopped up <laughs> Imagine like Like a real Goodfellas type Italian character Becoming a vampire And he's like Alright Ma enough with the garlic already Come on yeah. <laughs> I said I wanted When I said I wanted red sauce I meant Waka 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 mm, you know. Yeah we had a good had a had a good time. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, look, I think it's probably important to touch on the career trajectories of these two individuals, Woody and Snipesy. Yep. Now, you talked earlier about Woody's start as he's he's kind of got my you know we've talked about this before. Our probably I think we're both on this one. Our like dream trajectory of career. So, start as a character uh, yeah, character yeah, actor yeah. part in a in a comedy sitcom type environment, graduate to, to you know, full feature and then slowly evolve into serious roles. He obviously did Larry Flint and um, and since then pretty much has just been doing some pretty outstanding performances. True Detective was incredible. Um, small yeah. but impactful part in No Country for Old Men. So he's working with like Coen Brothers. He's oh, become a bit of a gem really. Like he's, he's right up there in, in my books. He is one of those guys that show, he can 
he seems to not really do anything for money. Like it seems to just be that looks interesting to him. Like anger management. Anger management. Yeah. He plays the um, the trans- transvestite or drag queen security guard. Galaxia. Oh, really? German Galaxia. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I don't know what it is with those Adam Sandler movies, but he manages to get in. He got Al Pacino in Jack and Jill. Like, how does he get these people? And Steve Buscemi is in every single one. It's and how how does <laughs> how does he get Rob Schneider all the damn time? <laughs> um, <laughs> Some things we'll never know. <laughs> but yeah, Woody man, he transcends. Even in, if you watch the video clip to the White Man Can't Jump song, it's got it's got the guys in it. It's got Snipesy and Woody in there, and he's doing yoga and stuff. So he's always been like this hippie. Yeah, he's but the man hippie. can play ball. He can he can do it all, and he plays all the all types of people. And he's mm. part of a very tiny Hollywood community of actors that I enjoy watching that haven't fixed their teeth. Ah. Oh. You know how, not that he has horrible teeth or anything, but you know like a lot of, this has become really a lot more obvious to me in watching all these old movies is that in the old days actors had imperfect teeth and now they have, everyone has these perfect white, often veneers I think. Mm. And it becomes really noticeable when you watch old movies now. But he's he's always just he's still got his woody teeth, and I respect that. There's not many actors that still have like Tom Hardy still has his teeth. There's it's a whole thing, man. I I I would teeth. ask you to observe this. Um, I, I shall watch because yeah, I really respect that. I don't know why. I think it's a signal of something more of just like hey, I am who I am, baby. Take it or mm, leave it kind of thing, which I really like. Exactly. Yeah. Um, then yeah. you've got the other side of the equation in this regard, Snipesy. So Snipesy was so hot off off this film into into some of those other movies we mentioned before. Um, what did he have? Drop Zone, Passenger Fifty Seven, Passenger Fifty Seven, Demolition Man, oh, Jungle Fever, Jungle Fever. So he was like bona fide, like leading man superstar. Yeah. He he did have a string of so you know how he obviously got arrest, uh, arrested and did three or shy of three years for tax evasion. Yeah, in the I uh, did that in about two thousand ten, I think. But he he did have like a string of sort of things following him around prior to that. There's been a few allegations here and there, and he's had a few cases. You know, he was carrying around a gun with hollow hollow tip bullets in it around the time of this film, and. Really? Yeah, he got caught. So he's he's sort of I think what seems to have happened. Huh. Then he then he made Blade, and Blade obviously absolutely crushed it. But I think. But then nothing after that. Like it went back. He's to, had nothing yeah. for a while. He's a lot of director movies. Like Hollywood have kind of kept him at arm's length, probably half because he seems pretty hard to work with in some instances. Yeah. Um, but also because of his um, legal challenges. But then very most recently he was in Dolomite. Oh, uh, yeah. And he is um, credited for being in the new Coming to America. So I would. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I would think that someone is, as you know, we were talking about his charisma before, someone as charismatic as Snipes, he probably is never too far away. So he might bounce A back. Snipes Aesons. Yeah. It's interesting because in, he was in one of the Expendables movies. He was, he was great in Dolomite. But then, mm. I don't know, something about him, you see him interviewed, he's very just. I think maybe in a good way, chilled and laid back, mm. and it's hard to imagine him it's being kind of, his character in White Men Can't Jump. It's, been, he's, he's done a lot. Like how old is he? He'd be yeah. late fifties. 
but he's yeah, had a pretty, yeah, yeah. had a pretty busy life. He was he was I think he was discovered at like twenty two or something. So he's been in yeah. the game a long time. I did write in my notes that it might just be that he doesn't have facial hair right now that makes him seem younger, less. I don't know. It may seem more mellow or something. Mm. <laughs> hey, I forgot about a few Harrelson points I wanted to share. Oh, I'll get into it. People know about him. He, um, did you know he grew up in Lebanon? Really? Yeah, Lebanon, Ohio. Didn't he have Crazy. like a pretty shitty dad or something? Or Lebanon, Ohio. Something you missed the punchline there. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> From the top. Lebanon, oh, do your Johnny Carson voice for that one. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, his dad was a contract killer. Like a oh, fuck, okay. An actual, he actually did. He was he died in prison, I think, because he was convicted for killing a high high court judge. Wow, he was a fuck. Full, fully fledged wow uh, hitman. Wow, shit, which is pretty gnarly. What is that childhood like, man? Shit, mm. and he's Lebanese. <laughs> Never would have picked it. Yeah. So. Um, I do have some recasties, did you? but they're not great. I think I've, I think I cracked one. Did you? Just I don't think I cracked Wesley Snipes, but I think I got one for Woody Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, yeah. I thought maybe Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, I think that kind of works. He's definitely right. got the wardrobe. He's definitely got the wardrobe. Piece He's got down. the wardrobe. He's got the charisma and the genuine oddballness of like mm. you could see him like kind of being able to talk his way in like he can kind of do yeah. all that stuff. But it's not it's not just like a shitty it's not a counter reeves, it's not a not that he's shitty, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not just some other white guy in the same role. I could see that kind of working. It would be a different flavor because Woody Harrelson does have that kind of Zen thing going on, even in this a little bit. Yeah. That kind of you can tell he's a bit of a hippie maybe somewhere in there. This would be a different thing of more he's a little firecracker. I, had, I thought um, Paul Walker maybe earlier before he died. Obviously, yeah, um, <laughs> he's just a cool guy. Because I think I think he can play basketball. He was a, he played basketball in something. Oh, okay, Pleasantville or something. Yeah. How would you feel about um, Shire being reteamed uh, reteamed with uh, Kerry Mulligan this time playing a white trash junkie as his girlfriend? Oh, that's not bad, a junkie or Juliette Lewis. I oh, know that would have uh, so not Kerry a rich Mulligan, girl. That's it. No, that's good. I uh, like that. Uh, but a bit more. What about Zendaya? I don't really know who she is. I just know her name. I like the idea. I like that you've come with a new idea for the role. Junkie, junkie white chick. I like that. Mila Kunis could probably do it. She's got a grating voice. <laughs> Meg. Shut up, Meg. Shut up, Meg. <laughs> yeah, I struggled for um, I struggled for Snipesy as well. But I, uh, Which I, probably I, says a lot about Hollywood in general. I went with, <laughs> I went with Donald Glover. Interesting. I don't know. I feel I don't feel confident that he could play ball. I don't know what it is about him. I feel like he's too much of an artsy type, but that's not fair. Well, but I did have I had someone else in his Atlanta crew. I had Lakeith Stanfield, maybe. Don't know who that is. As um, you'll know him when you see him. He's in Atlanta. He's in um, he's in a bunch of stuff at the moment. He's in lots of stuff at the moment. And Michael B. Jordan. Mainly because it's very similar name to Michael Jordan, so he's got to be good at basketball. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I steered away from Michael B on this occasion for because he's, he's enormous. I think you're going to have Michael B. Jordan and Tom Holland in this, and <laughs> and um, and Zoe Kravitz as the girlfriend. <laughs> Zoe, oh, that's not bad. <laughs> hey, let's let's get into verdicts. I'm going to be late for my family lunch. 
Uh, let's get into it's, the voiding. When I say family, my immediate family that lives in the same house. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. Nothing further, Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. All right, verdict. Um, look, overarchingly, I would say, I think I've touched on this, but I don't know if I've really nailed it enough. This movie has not dated as much as I was expecting. Mm. I think this movie holds up. Everything it's setting out to do, it still does quite well. I think anything that has aged just adds to the vintage niceness of it all, adds to the flavor. It could have easily dated very badly in its portrayal of race and portrayal of basketball and all that kind of shit. But it's all fucking good, man. Mm. Rosie Perez is like a little dash of interestingness. Like there's there's enough interesting stuff happening here for this not to just be a flat, I don't know, there's I wouldn't stuff describe her as a dash of anything. She's more of a lightning bolt or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, I guess we'll get into some of the tests. Apparently, there is a porn parody. It's been pointed out yeah. by one of our friends of the show on Instagram. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, white men can't did Sim- hump. Did Sims? Yeah, white men can't hump. And um, uh, did Simpsons do it? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Well, Woody's been in the Simpsons with his hemp pants, but yeah, that's right. Uh, Bechdel tests, not really. The two wives do have a discussion, but they're primarily talking about the men. Well, they're talking um, about the money. So, you know, there's, there's a, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe. I'll give them half a point. i give them half a point for that. Special effects, I, it's not really special effects, but let's call it stunts and let's call it basketball. I'd say, I'd say I mean, it's, aside from, you know, you know, over-stylized, <laughs> some over-stylized plays. I'd say all in all it holds up as looking like they can play basketball pretty well. Yeah. 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 Maybe half a point from respectfully, you. Respectfully disagree. Okay, zero points from you, one point from me on that one. I think I'm just comparing it to other – you know there's other sports movies where it's clearly they don't know how to play. Like in football movies you can just put a helmet on someone else. <laughs> like I just like yeah, that true. you're watching them play. And it seems like they can play. Some of the specific action you see is a bit like, okay, take mm. it easy. But the but, vibe. The, the, yeah, the vibe. Yeah, the vibe. feels yeah, authentic. I, I'm, I'm okay with the vibe. It's, it's, it's got yeah. an authentic vibe. It's got an authentic vibe. Oh, one little thing I thought we could start doing in, in the wrap-up here is we have asked our friends of the show on Instagram any questions they want us to answer. Uh, one you've already answered. Um, I'd like you guys to give some insight into the rise and fall of Wesley Snipes. We've kind of covered that. Um, that was from Maya Malstagram. So thanks for the question. Hopefully we've answered that adequately. Uh, we've got two from Mick Gunn, friend of the show. Um, he said, is Woody Harrelson better at hoops than American History X's Ed Norton? See, I think that's an example of trying to make someone look like they can play that cannot play. Edward Norton in American History X looks like shit playing basketball. He does his bullshit reverse dunk thing that doesn't look like. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to remember. <laughs> it's, it's a black bullshit. and white scene, isn't it? Yeah, and he does like awkward layups that just don't look like he plays yeah. basketball. So I guess that's what I, I mean. I don't think Edward Norton would be the most sporting of. Uh, no. Um, and another one from Mick Gunn. Where does this rank in the, in the pantheon of on screen basketball? I think we've covered that. Another one from your mate, Colsey. Um, was Gloria really thirsty? Good question. Was she an alcoholic? <laughs> I think she was an alcoholic. Was she? I, don't I don't know. know. They kind oh, of touched does, on that. She does go bit. and skull vodka yeah. quickly. It's, 
It's left unexplored. I'm thirsty. Billy, you're, supposed, you're not supposed to say, I get your water. You're supposed to say, I too know what it's I like sympathize. to be thirsty. I sympathize. <laughs> this is up there with perhaps the worst impressions we've ever done. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like going after it too hard could come across as slightly racist. Yeah. So I'm really not going yeah, too Yeah, I tried to stay it. clear of it until that. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've done some half-assed ones throughout the episode. But uh, MVP. Um, oh, it probably is Woody for me. Um, I would, it's a tough one. I'd give a high credit to Gloria. Yeah. Um, but I just Woody, I think just because um, I think he just gets that balance well of this character. He's a little complex guy. You know, he's, you know, I just love him. So I think in many ways it's like all three of them are at the top of their game. Like, mm. So it's, it's hard to pick one. But I think the one that sealed the deal for me was Rosie? I, I did go Rosie Perez. I think the the part that tipped it over the edge for me was the fact that the role was written for a white woman, like that she brought her own thing to yeah. it. Like it's it's kind of magical. It's pretty special. I don't know. There's just like yeah, firecracker. There's like some plus the um, aforementioned um, sexual awakening of a young Tristan. That's true. She's always going to have a special place in my um, hormones. <laughs> <laughs> cool. What have we got coming up next week? We haven't. We've got a blank slate, a blank slot for the next episode. Let's pick something today. Yeah, we'll pick something today. But otherwise, coming up, we've got some Arnold coming up. I think we're doing Total Recall soon. We're doing Gods Must Be Crazy soon, which I'm not sure if that's a global phenomenon, but it was huge in Australia. Um, something about Mary. We got a whole bunch coming your way, guys. So stay tuned. Um, yeah. Don't forget to leave us a review. If you've got the time, we would love it. Even if you can't leave words, leave a little cheeky five-star because it helps us with the rankings and get us discovered. Follow us on Instagram, Double Impact Podcast. Uh, email us if you want. Say hello, doubleimpactpodcast at gmail.com. Also on Facebook and whatever, everything else. Yay. All right. Enjoy your eggs, people. Eat, eat the Enjoy eggs. your eggs. Right. Eat eggs responsibly. Take care, friends of the show. Yay. Friends for life, not just the summer or the spring.